The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. The Pet Buzz is dedicated to enhancing the bond between pets and their people. Each week, the Pet Buzz provides the latest news and information on how to keep your pets healthy and happy so you can save money and have a fulfilling relationship together. Now, here's your Pet Buzz hosts, Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Hello, hello, hello from the EpiPet Studios on the Gulf Coast of Florida. We're always excited to bring you the buzz. That is the pet buzz. I don't know about you, but I have already started feeling the holiday pressure. I feel like I've got to get everything for Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, like as of yesterday. And really, a lot of that has to do with the fact that store supplies are limited, which means there's going to be a lot less offerings in the stores, especially when it comes down to buying pet costumes for the big dogs. You know, so many people adopted all these dogs during the pandemic. And yes, of course, some have been returned already. But I went to Michael's Dr. Fleck. And I was talking to one of the gals there and she said, I said, is this everything that you've got on the floor for Halloween? And she said, yeah, we expected five times as much, but we got less. And even we're a month out and I find that the stores really look empty. So if you're going to be going to buy a pet costume for your dog, even if you're not going to be participating in any parades or parties or anything, now is the time to go get that big dog costume because I really don't think they're going to be a lot of them around. People, the supply chain is really insignificant. It's not there. When I call they, it pandemic economics. That's what it is. It's pandemic, pandemic economics. So you know what? Because it kicks in, you've got to act fast. If you see it, you need to get it. I'm going to be ordering my Christmas tree in October. So I actually have one. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. If you need it, get it now. Right. And they're saying if the same available. thing. They're saying the same things. If you see something buy it now. So especially for the pets, because there are going to be limited supplies for things, balls and toys and treats and clothes, because a lot of those supplies come from not only China, Asia, South America. So you have to act now. But let's talk about what's going to happen on this week's Pet Buzz, which I'm excited about. So uh, later on in the show, we're going to talk about more zoo animals having COVID, including some of the tigers and the lions at the National Zoo. And we're going to talk with pumpkin care veterinary expert, Sarah Wooten. She's going to talk about how many Americans are unrealistically prepared for unexpected vet visits. As well as emergencies. Well, I'm curious because I thought this was really interesting. Have you ever seen or heard of a two-headed snake, Dr. Fletch? Yes. Well, Nicolas Cage had one and he donated it to the Audubon Zoo in New Orleans. So guess what the snake's name was? Mm, You're never going to guess. No, I'm going to tell you. And in Flex Facts, I am answering a listener's question. Wait, just say it again. In Flex Facts, I'm answering. Go ahead. In, in Flex Facts, I'm answering a listener's question about feline immunodeficiency virus or FIV. Cat owners, listen up. I am telling you what you need to know about this virus that is found throughout the world. It's global. Yeah. And also during the pandemic, so many people adopted 
dogs, not as many puppies, but the holidays are coming up and so many people want to add a puppy to their household. This is the time to start and to do your research for a holiday puppy delivery, especially get on the training regime now. So, you know, Dr. Fleck, during the pandemic, as you know, so many people adopted dogs, not as many puppies, though, because obviously there are less puppies in shelters these days, but a lot more dogs. But, you know, the holidays are coming up and already people are buying decorations. You know, they're thinking about adding a puppy to their house for the holiday. Remember back in the day, nobody got a puppy during the holidays. Remember nope. that? Mm-hmm. They, everyone said it was taboo. But now the shelters, all these people are pushing the holiday pet <laughs> purchase. So I think now really is the time to get people on the right foot. We got to get them motivated to do research for that holiday puppy delivery. And of course, we have church now, right? Well, just research on what do you do with a puppy? Yeah, but I I think it's, you know, what I mean, I know what you get, what you have to do, but the training really needs to start the day you bring them. That's part of what you do with a puppy. So talk about our guest who's coming on. Well, joining us today is former military police veteran Alyssa Weimer Sentner of Paw and Order Dog Training. With the help of her husband and co-owner, Steve, the couple has developed dog training programs that is tailored to each individual's dog's needs and focus areas. Paw and Order specializes in all levels of dog training, including puppy training, basic obedience, and intense behavior modification, including working with dogs that have been deemed impossible 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 to train Alyssa, welcome to the pet buzz today thank you dr fleck and charlotte reed for having us today we are so excited to be here love your puppies that we see there. we know we love we wish everyone would come with dogs and cats I know, right I know, it's I fine know. okay so um so you know i'm so excited Alyssa, to have you here because i just got a puppy an english toy spaniel named church it's my sixth or seventh english toy spaniel i've had all various breeds in the past, including uh, GSDs and other large dogs, as well as small dogs. You know, can you tell me and all those puppy owners out there how puppy training differs from adult dog training? Absolutely. The cool thing about getting a puppy is you have a totally blank slate. When you get an adult dog, you might have some things you have to undo, some bad behaviors. But like with these guys, they're 10 weeks old. I can show them exactly what what their owners want from them to succeed in their owner's households. None of these dogs are are mine. They're actually just started training. Uh, But I know what their owners want. I know what their lifestyles are like. And we have a chance now to just start fresh. And it's so invigorating to be able to do that uh, with a small puppy. That's true. I mean, it's it's nice. I mean, a lot of times when you adopt a dog, you have issues with the dog. But with a puppy, she's absolutely right. You're able to start fresh and imprint imprint. But one of the key things I don't know if you if you caught this, Dr. Fleck, she mentioned lifestyles. Mm. And I think the training is important, but also understanding what that owner's lifestyle is, is really key to getting that pooch to fit into your life successfully. Yeah, and, you know, before bringing a puppy to your home, you need to have the right stuff, mm. right stuff. So talk to us about what is the right stuff? 
Well, it's not always material things when you get a puppy. You need to first start with the right mindset. So you're not just going to get this puppy and it's going to be perfect. I don't care if you got it from a breeder and you paid $5,000 for this puppy. It's not going to be a robot. So make sure you, the biggest thing is starting with consistency and structure with your puppy because it's your job to be the teacher of this new puppy. And you, there's a lot of things that you can have set up. I'll briefly go over some. A crate's a really good thing to have. I know a lot of people are afraid to use a crate. They think it's a bad thing, but it's actually a really good thing for your puppy. Uh, and we're going to get into that a little bit later as well. But you want a crate that's just big enough for your dog to go in, lay down, stand up, and turn around. So you don't want something too big. This one is, is all, it starts out too big with these puppies, but if you put in a divider, this one has a divider in, It'll let you grow with the puppy. Make sure you have puppy food. So I wouldn't start your puppy on adult food. Make sure you have a schedule that's going to accommodate a puppy or a dog walker or somebody to come in and let your puppy out if need be. You're going to need some bowls, some, some training treats, uh, and some teething toys as well. These guys are all teething. Look, they're all over the place, right? They need something to keep them busy. They always want to use their mouse, so toys are good, but always supervised. We're up against a break, so come back and we'll pick up the conversation in our next segment. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Need more buzz? We've got plenty more for you on our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We call it Pet Buzz Plus. It's the best way for you to engage with like-minded pet lovers everywhere. So remember, Pet Buzz Plus. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Know what? What? Since I got adopted, I've learned a lot about these humans. Uh, I know. I mean, check out these two. It's Flirt City over here. Yeah, I noticed that. It looks like my human is definitely into your human. Oh, look. I think she's getting his number. Nice. Your human's got some sweet moves. Takes after his dog. (laughs) Oh, look, they're doing that thing where they put their arms around each other. She kicked up a leg. It's like in the movies. That's awesome. Looks like we're going to be hanging out a little bit more. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. We know people love their dogs, and many like to take them everywhere. To lunch, to work, shopping. But dogs are only welcome in places where they behave. Our very own etiquette and pet trendologist Charlotte Reed discusses decorum for every occasion in her book, Miss Fido Manners, Complete Book of Dog Etiquette. She provides tips for behaving at home and on the street, eating in or going out. Plus, extending pet courtesy to others in places of business, being mindful of others while traveling, and treating veterinarians, pet sitters, and dog groomers with respect. With Miss Fido Manners, pet owners can learn how to behave appropriately in all kinds of situations. 
Miss Fido Manners from pet trendologist Charlotte Reed on Amazon. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed, and research shows walking at least a half an hour every day can reduce a person's risk for heart disease and other serious illnesses. So regular walking is a great way to live a long and happy life. For most dogs, an hour of physical activity each day is necessary and will help them lead healthier lives free of disease. Walking a dog does not only have a physical benefit, there are plenty of psychological benefits for both the dog and the owner. There are so many smells, sights, and sounds in the outdoors that a dog is mentally stimulated every time he or she walks out the front door. Taking a dog on a walk will also help to solidify the strong bond between you and your animal. Give your dog some positive attention by doing what he or she loves. Take your dog out for a neighborhood walk today. We're back on the Pet Buzz with Melissa Weimer, Center of Paw and Order Dog Training, discussing common mistakes puppy owners like me <laughs> can make. I, I like that. When you mentioned the toys, not Gucci shoes, toys, <laughs> right? Your puppy will love your Gucci shoes. Oh, as yeah. A toy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's we, happened. We know it's funny, but Church is not interested in the high end footwear. <laughs> what he really is interested in flip flops. And that's why mm. I think supervision and patience is key because flip-flops can easily be chewed up, even the high-end ones. But, you know, it's he's always grabbing a flip-flop, <laughs> wanting to pick up a flip-flop. So chew toys and carry toys. And I think that also reflects on the type of breed of dog that you have. Correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay, listen to this new puppy owner here. So what are common mistakes like this new puppy owners make? So again, not having that right mindset, you go in, you think this puppy is going to be so easy and then you get frustrated. So make sure that you have realistic expectations for your puppy, especially at that age. Your, your puppy's not going to be healing next to you in this beautiful focused heel at eight weeks old. There's, they're going to have accidents if you don't watch them. You know, keeping your eye on them, managing the environment. So they're not getting the flip-flops and chewing them up. And now you have a blockage. You're in the emergency room at eight weeks old because something happened to your puppy. They are jumping off of the couch and breaking a leg. I've had clients have a broken leg on their puppy at eight weeks old. And also owners will buy puppies for their kids, expecting the kids to do all the work. (laughs) I'm going to tell you now, parents, it's your puppy. You're going to be doing a lot of that work. So make sure you can bring your kids on. And I encourage you to have your kids in on, on the training, but make sure you're prepared to really do most of the work. Um, and get your dogs out and socialize and don't dote on them. Right? We, as soon as they cry, we want to let them out of the crate. There's, there's other ways to go about that to make them like the crate. And at night, right? I see a lot of people say, it's this first night home, he's crying, I took him out. And now... He'll never go back in the crate. So there's just little things that they're so cute now that these biting behaviors are jumping. I'm like, oh, it's so cute. They're little, but they're going to be big dogs very soon. So whatever you don't want them to do as a big dog, set that boundary now as a puppy, as hard as it may be. 
if I can touch back real quick on that last one, another mistake that I see owners make is they get to the wrong breed for them uh, or they're not prepared for the grooming needs of the dog. These dogs here are pretty easy to groom, but a lot of people love the idea of the doodles because, you know, they're hypoallergenic and they don't shed, but don't realize how much grooming this, these dogs take. And we get dogs all the time. And we have a groomer as well. And they get there. They don't look matted, but underneath they're so matted. Now we have to shave them. The dogs are so uncomfortable. And the owners didn't realize they have to brush them every day. So just being prepared to take care of these pup the puppy's needs. I can totally relate. I mean, it's like an all-day thing. But I will say this. When I talk to the new pet parents, that's what makes them even grow a stronger love and a bind to them when that puppy is really really energetic and maybe a little bit disobedient well they're cute they're little so they get away with it talk to us about why everyone in the family mm -hmm. we're talking about getting mm -hmm. on the same page and right. being consistent why is it important for everyone in the family why should everyone be on the same page regarding training Using to a dog if i have rules where you're not allowed to jump on me or you're not allowed to do this or that but then somebody comes over and they say, no, it's fine. They can do whatever they want. It can be so confusing. Then the dog doesn't realize why now you're, you're upset that they jumped on mom, but it was okay for them to jump on you, right? So it, that can cause a lot of confusion and it can cause anxiety, which later on can bring up a lot of adult issues uh, if you're not consistent with your structure at home. Alyssa, great interview, great information. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a great interview. And just to remind you, that was Alyssa Weimer Center of Paw and Order Dog Training discussing common mistakes puppy owners like me <laughs> can make. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction. Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. And now what you've been waiting for, Flex Facts. You know, one of our Texas listeners, Melissa, who's living outside of Amarillo, Texas, wrote in because she wanted to know more about FIV or feline immunodeficiency virus. Can you review this with us, Dr. Flex? Yeah, let's just call it FIV for the future. Yeah, that's, okay. that's better. That's kind of a mouthful. And you got to pronounce all these hard words. Okay. Okay. Feline immunodeficiency virus, or FIV, uh -huh. is a virus specific to the cat family. Mm -hmm. It was first recognized in the mid-1980s. I remember it specifically. And it has been found in cats worldwide. Really? Although widespread, it is not a common infection in cats, even though we test for it. Only 1% to 5% of cats show evidence of exposure to the virus. In some cats, exposure to the virus leads to clinical signs that results in deficiency of the immune system, thus the name. There are different strains of FIV, and some seem more harmful than others. So I guess my question is, how do cats get it? Well, infected cats shed the virus mainly in the saliva. So naturally occurring transmission of an infection occurs when an infected cat bites another cat. Through the bite wound just makes so sense. So basically, yeah. if the cat's biting somebody, biting another cat, the saliva gets into the blood system. And it's and the active part of that, sure. that situation, When they're too. shedding the virus. Right. Okay. It is not surprising that many FIV-positive cats are known fighters. So you're going to have a lot of street cats, yep. right? 
a lot of feral cats, particularly those with a history of cat bite abscesses. Any cat bitten by a cat with an unknown medical history should be tested for FIV approximately two months after the bite. Okay, so my next question. So if a cat has been tested positive for FIV, does that mean my cat might have feline AIDS? Okay, this will be a little confusing, but FIV positive is not the same as having feline AIDS. The FIV test detects antibodies that have been formed in the cat's blood because of infection with the feline immunodeficiency virus. So FIV positive means that your cat has been infected by the virus, but maybe years before it shows signs and maybe never. Hmm. Okay. So I know that's a little confusing. I know it clears it up, but so I guess I really want to know about the cat's human family. So is the cat's human family at risk if the cat suffers from this ailment? No. Okay. That's good to know. Now, are other cats in the household likely to be infected or can they become infected? Other cats in your household may already have been infected and they should be tested. Thanks, Dr. Fleck. Talking about feline immunodeficiency. Did I say Very it right? Very good. That you did right. Virus, you did great. FIV. So we also want to thank Melissa, not only for listening to the show on a weekly basis, but for writing in and asking a great question. More of the pet buzz very soon. I bet you can't wait for my I likey of the week. You are listening to the pet buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Can't get enough of the buzz? We're online at thepetbuzz.com with daily features, including helpful tips from Charlotte, more flex facts, and a lot of ways for you to save on all of your favorite pet needs. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. www.epi-pet.com EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. I'm pet expert Charlotte Reed, and I want to remind you how important it is to protect your pet against fleas, ticks, and mosquitoes with preventative tablets and topicals. By giving your dogs and cats preventative meds throughout the year, you are protecting your pet from Lyme disease, heartworm, flea allergies, worms, and more, causing unwanted and costly vet bills. Most importantly, these parasites can infiltrate your home, causing you and your family's health to be compromised. Remember, healthy pets healthy you. So I'm kind of new here, but I've noticed a trend. My human does this funny thing where she goes around and gets all my toys and then she hides them in that basket by the door. You know, but it's always the same basket and it's always in the, in the same place. And then she acts so surprised when I find them, but you know, she's putting them in the same basket again. It's like, hello, that's where you put it last time. You were the worst at hide and go seek. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. 
We know people love their dogs, and many like to take them everywhere, to lunch, to work, shopping. But dogs are only welcome in places where they behave. Our very own etiquette and pet trendologist, Charlotte Reed, discusses decorum for every occasion in her book, Miss Fido Manners, Complete Book of Dog Etiquette. She provides tips for behaving at home and on the street, eating in or going out. Plus, extending pet courtesy to others in places of business, being mindful of others while traveling, and treating veterinarians, pet sitters, and dog groomers with respect. With Miss Fido Manners, pet owners can learn how to behave appropriately in all kinds of situations. Miss Fido Manners from pet trendologist Charlotte Reed on Amazon. That's the way it has to be, because that's the way I like it. It's genius. I like it. I love it so much. I like die for i like it so you know with a new puppy there's always lots of supplies that need to be right on hand you need them right then and there perhaps it's best to find an awesome pet organizer and that's what i found i found the long stem organizer because it really is an all-in-one pet organizer that holds all of your pets walking accessory leashes harnesses flashlights i guess treat bags toys dog coats and sweaters, waist bags, grooming tools, food, vitamins, medicine. And of course, when I have a puppy, floor cleaner. <laughs> I like it. It's great because it saves floor space and cabinet space. This unique pet organizer gives you more floor space so you can hang the organizer on the back of the door or on a wall. You just keep all your pet essentials there. I like it, too, because it's really easy, accessible. You can see everything you need at once with the pet organizer and easily hang it in an entrance hall or, like I said, any door. And just so you know, it's a two-piece storage organizer rack that has removable plastic trays, so it's easy to wash. And each plastic tray comes with four compartments for extra storage and comes with two over-the-door brackets. So basically, it comes with the hardware, two wall mounts with mounting screws and anchors already included. Really good quality. It's about $80. The Longstem Pet Organizer. I like it. And also... Later on in the show, we're going to talk to Dr. Sarah Wooten about unrealistic expectations for emergency vet visits and unexpected vet visits. Are Americans really prepared? Ever wonder what goes on inside the Pet Buzz studio? We post full-length video versions of all of our guests on our YouTube channel. So, you know, it's really funny. I had this conversation with Hallie, our assistant, Dr. Fleck. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I'm just curious, Hallie, are you prepared if your cat danger has an unexpected vet visit or gets into an accident? And she said, <laughs> it's just frightening. The mm -hmm. answer obviously is no, I feel for him because she's not prepared. And I started to think, you know, obviously I have you because uh, you'll work on the animals, but I mean, or our animals. But I mean, what do most people do? Panic. They panic. So I guess we should ask the overall question. Are you all financially prepared for a pet accident? Most of us aren't. And according to a survey of 1300 American dog owners by Pumpkin Insurance, pet parents drastically underestimate how much it costs to care for Fido, especially in these circumstances. So joining us today is Dr. Sarah Wooten, the pumpkin veterinary expert. 
Dr. Wooten is here to discuss the company's survey findings and the common misconceptions that pet parents often have as it relates to their dog's veterinary care. Dr. Wooten, welcome to the Pet Buzz. Thank you, Dr. Fleck and Charlotte, for having me. Yeah, we're so glad you're here because this, I think, is an important oh, thing. Oh, it's terribly important. That so many of us deal with on a day-to-day basis. So why do you think that pet parents are generally financially unprepared for veterinary care for pets? Well, the main reason is because most of these people, when they're getting their new pet, whether it's a puppy or a kitten or an adult animal, they do not have the concept that something's going to happen to this animal. They're just excited about this new bond that they share. And so the thought that something could happen to this precious new family member is completely out of their mind. The other thing is a lot of us, me included, have a hard time planning ahead for emergencies because we have so much we're dealing with in the here and now. Other people just don't really think about the idea of spending money on a pet. That's still a thing. And so I think those are the three main reasons. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, when they, like you said, I have a new pet here, my puppy church. I mean, I don't think about it for obvious reasons, but, you know, Amy, you know, got church's brother when we got the pets of Pensacola and uh, BB Buster Brown, Boo Haker. <laughs> I know it's a funny name. BB's already been to the vet. She thought BB ate something uh, $200, $350 later. There's nothing wrong. But Amy think, you know, Amy is financially prepared. Not everybody is. Yeah. Just the look on people's face when they hear about the financial responsibility that they have when they have an emergency. <laughs> it's, it's overwhelming. So talk to us about some of the pet parents that you interviewed for the survey. Absolutely. So we interviewed over 1,300 pet parents across a wide range of demographic, all ages, locations, different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, And about a third of the respondents had more than one dog. And some of them were first time pet parents and others were more experienced and had pets before. We really tried to get a wide representation of different kinds of pet parents. And that's I think that's important because let's face it, things are going up. It's harder to get raw materials. It's harder to get supplies, as I'm sure both of you know, because you told me you couldn't get penicillin, right? (laughs) I couldn't get penicillin for three months. Just penicillin. Crazy, right? It's crazy. It's totally crazy. Okay. So these people that you, the the pet parents that you serve. So once at the vet offices, were these pet parents able to afford their pet's veterinary costs? I mean, were they surprised? for these unexpected incidents to happen? Absolutely. People are absolutely shocked every time they are given a big bill. And in fact, I like to prep my clients ahead of time. I say, I'm going to give you an estimate and there's going to be a comma in it. And they laugh, but they're still like shocked. And so we found that a large percentage of respondents in this survey, about 44%, wouldn't be able to afford a veterinary bill that was $1,000 on their own. They would either have to borrow from somebody or not get the care altogether, which means that that pet either died or was suffering. That's horrible. And a thousand, I mean, we think about it. I mean, what do they say? I mean, a thousand dollars in the scheme of things may for, for a lot of people may not seem like a lot of money, but then again, for others, it is a lot of money. And I mean, not everyone can qualify for credit care, right, Dr. Wooten? 
Well, I- oh, absolutely not. As far as the lines of credit go, because that's one of the main things that we always say to pet people who pet parents who can't afford. Oh, let's apply for care credit. Let's apply for Wells Fargo. Let's apply for scratch pay. And unfortunately, a lot of these people can't even qualify for a $500 line of credit. And they have to even cobble together several lines of credit from different family members. It's really, really frustrating to the veterinarian and to the pet parent at the same time. Yeah. And I also think that probably within the last couple of years, especially over the last year, the financial responsibilities and the accelerated costs have really been more than what we would normally see with the cost of living uh, increase. So people just really don't understand why it's so much more than what it would have been just a year or two ago. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And I am finding that people put vet bills in their disposable income line item in their budgets. And a lot of these families, especially young people, just don't have a lot of money in that disposable income line item. And so that is a really huge problem that we're experiencing right now in veterinary medicine, for sure. Well, you know, one of the other things that I think um, we, we have to really be aware of, you know, businesses are in business to make money. And, you know, it's harder, especially when you're dealing with emotions and feelings and dealing with humans and dealing with pets. But it's very rare these days to find a vet who will let you pay off a bill over time. It's just people just do not work on payment plans anymore. In some cases, if you have been with a veterinarian for 20 years or 15 years, they might do that. But for the average new walk in the door patient, that's not going to happen. I think that's a reality that people need to recognize and not try to work on your vet sympathy. Dr. Wooten, our time is coming to an end for this segment, but I'm just curious, can you stick around? Because this is a fascinating conversation for another segment. Absolutely, my love. Anything for you. Okay, great. That's the see, Dr. Wood and I are going to be best friends. Okay, because she knows she likes your attitude. You are listening to the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Can't get enough of the buzz? We're online at thepetbuzz.com with daily features including helpful tips from Charlotte, more flex facts, and a lot of ways for you to save on all of your favorite pet needs. Hi, I'm Brad Garrett. The investigation of the Humane Society of the United States exposed the link between pet stores and puppy mills. Large puppy mill operations were busted in Maine, Oklahoma, Texas, and Virginia. Bottom line, puppy mills are cruel and their puppies are often sick. So do yourself a favor and go to your local shelter for your next dog. You'll get an inoculated, already fixed dog for almost nothing. So you'll not only save some money, but you'll also save a life. According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless golden retrievers and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Epi-Pet.com EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. They call me Prince like I'm royalty or something. But the places I've lived ain't no palaces. So I don't need grilled salmon or a new scratching post. Just give me a cardboard box and a can of tuna and we're good. You can even change my name. 
I'm cool being the kitty formerly known as Prince. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Should you bathe your pet? Well, I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed, and I'm asked that question often. How often you should wash your dog depends on a number of factors, including his health, breed, coat, and activity level, as well as where these activities are taking place. Dogs who spend days outside rolling in things are going to need a bath far more often than the ones who spend most of their time on the couch. Or you can always take the smell test. If your dog walks into the room and you can smell them, it's time for a bath. Make sure when it's time for a bath, you gather up all the supplies, including a non-slip mat and plenty of towels. Use shampoo formulated for dogs and turn your cell phone off to avoid distraction. And if you have a dog that hates getting a bath, smear some peanut butter on the bathtub wall and let him lick it off while you bathe him. Then he'll know bathing can really be a treat. We're back on the Pet Buzz with Dr. Sarah Wooten, veterinary expert for Pumpkin Insurance. Dr. Wooten, you mentioned that the disposable income and what people are planning, because we all have some degree of disposable income. Does that mean that people are beginning to put some of that plan for their pet or are they not doing that yet? Uh, You know, it's interesting um, because I have had people driving Mercedes and wearing $300 jeans say that they can't afford the vet veterinary bill. And I think it comes down to a perception of value. Uh, A lot of people don't understand the value of what's being provided and they're shocked by the price. And also Dr. Fleck, I agree. uh, Veterinarians are small, uh, small businesses. A lot of them are Mm -hmm. still mom and pop businesses and they're, they're operating on a very fine financial line and they're not banks, right? And I agree also, um, there has to be a long established relationship with these veterinarians before they're going to extend a line of credit. I've seen some of these veterinary offices accounts receivable lists and it's long because we do have these big hearts and we want to help everybody. But at the end of the day, you can't run a business on charity. As a human, if you have an emergency and you go to the hospital, they have a responsibility to treat you. They have to treat you. But when you go to the veterinary hospital, what most of us will do if they are financially where they can't uh, pay for a larger bill, we at least provide first aid care. Um, So we provide something. But we don't get paid for that. Where the hospitals get paid for that through the government or some other third party payment. And I think people don't they don't think of that. They they think the same way that if they go to the hospital They don't need to worry about it. Somebody will pay it. But if they take their pet, they still think that same thing. Somebody will pay that bill. Okay, so so like I was saying before, I'm curious about the survey, the the group of people that you served. Did some of these pet parents like rush to the vet and obviously nothing happened? That's the worst. When you have to go to the vet, you think like with Amy's situation, she thought BB chewed up something. He didn't. And, and I think you're right. That's pretty common with a lot of first time uh, pet owners or puppy owners, correct? Absolutely. In this survey, about a quarter, so 25% of respondents had had the experience of taking their, they were worried. So they took their pet to the vet 
and they spent money only to find out that nothing was wrong. Now, having said that, peace of mind is invaluable. And I can tell you, I've seen the relief wash over many a face and people are happy to pay the 50, 60, $75 to feel better. But at the same time, they're spending money that they didn't need to. Right. But I think, like she said, it's the wake up call. Like, hey, this might cost money. I call those COVID patients. (laughs) (laughs) They they sat at home and looked too much about things. What is this, Doc? What is that? And you say, what? What are you asking about? So uh, we were just talking about how unprepared as well as how unrealistic many pet owners are for unexpected vet visits and even emergencies. Dr. Wooten, I'm curious, how many of these pet owners had pet insurance? Very little of them. Actually, it was down somewhere around 10%, 13, oh, 13% had pet insurance at the time of the survey, 13%. That's up because it was 2% a couple of years ago. Like I was going to say, that's higher than the national average, which is about four to five now, right? But at least they had 13% of pen insurance. That's That's not bad at all. It's a positive trajectory. It's still way, way less than I would like to see, but it is a positive trajectory. So all in all, do pet owners have a realistic idea of vet costs for the lifetime of their pets? Oh, Dr. Fleck, you and I both know the answer to this question. (laughs) And oh, no. (laughs) Oh, right. Over 80% did not have a clue as to the idea of what they're going to spend on that pet for the lifetime. So uh, then they took, they broke it down a little bit more. So about 30% of people thought, oh, it's going to cost between a thousand and five thousand, right? About 10% thought it was going to be less than a thousand. But what we have found is that pet care can cost an estimated cost total of over $16,000 for the lifetime of a pet. And that's just vet cost. That's just vet cost. That's not even food costs or boarding costs. So you figure 10 years, six, you figure an average pet lives about 10 years. Why don't you say that? I mean, I'm talking from like a Great Dane to a Shih Tzu, 22 years, a Great Dane lives like eight years. So 10 years is probably the average, right? That's 6,000. So you figure a thousand for just the regular everyday shots, you know, depending if it's an older pet twice a year. That adds up. You got to get prepared. That's just preventative medicine. Right. But this is one of the reasons, and you've heard me say this over and over and over again. It's one of the reasons that we tell people you really have to, you're so excited to get that specific breed if you get a purebred dog. And you really have to know what the potential hazards or problems with that particular breed, which they never seem to pay attention to. They buy pets from breeders who don't test their dogs for various uh, maladies. So this is why we really, and I'm not preaching. We're just, we encourage you. We encourage you to get a good breeder who tests their dogs and we encourage you to get some books. So you know what to expect when you have certain breeds of dogs. And in human medicine, they talk so much about preventative care, veterinary medicine, probably even more important about preventative care. You know, we don't go and stick our nose in the ground as we walk outside we, we, our hygiene is so much different. So it's, we're just, they're just more susceptible to pick up diseases than what we are. And let's try to prevent it. Then they won't have the big bills. Sure. 
Okay. So what can pet parents do for unexpected veterinary costs? Well, there's a couple of things I always tell people. One, you can set up a savings account, just put money into it every single month. Um, that's, that is the ba- most basic way to deal with it. Uh, another thing I advise people to do is to get a credit card as a, a limit of two to $5,000 that you only use for veterinary emergencies, right? It's just there. You put it in the lockbox. You never think about it, but it's there if you need it. Um, another thing that a lot of people, when they're faced with these big bills, uh, we always say, okay, well, let's apply for a line of credit. Uh, Care credit is a big one. Wells Fargo has one. Scratch pay. The problem is in order to qualify for these, you have to have pretty good credit. And the thing is, is most of the people who are seeking these lines of credit, they don't have that established credit. And so it's very difficult to see people get denied over and over and over again. And then obviously insurance. I talk to every puppy and kitten owner about insurance. And in fact, I give them something so that they are, uh, they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And I tell them, you're not going to think about this right now, but at some point you may really need this. And so insurance can, it doesn't cost very much a month and it can pay the bulk of the, of the bulk of the bill. They pay up to 90% sometimes. So those are basically the ways. Other than that, uh, selling your first child works. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yes. I mean, <laughs> so start thinking about it now. Yeah, I mean, set money aside weekly, maybe one less Starbucks a week. Having that money really will make you feel it'll make you feel so much more confident so that you won't delay in giving your pooch veterinary care. So the information from this survey can be found at pumpkin.care. If you ever find yourself in this situation where you are facing serious injury or illness with your pet, you're already going to have a high level of stress. Don't add to your level of stress by adding in the money piece as well. Just take that out of the way, prepare ahead of time, and make your choices based on the health and well-being of your pet. Great advice. That's a great advice. That was wonderful. Yeah, it's fun. Thank you, guys. Ever wonder what goes on inside the Pet Buzz studio? We post full-length video versions of all of our guests on our YouTube channel. My name is Mike Ruiz, and I was born and raised in Montreal, Canada, and now I live in New Jersey. The thing that made me fall in love with Oliver was the very first time I met him, he was being fostered by a friend of mine whom I was visiting. I opened the door to my friend's house, and Oliver came running up to me, sat at my feet, and looked up at me with the most beautiful, big, brown, soulful eyes. And within 24 hours, I had filled out all the paperwork, and Oliver was my son. I've experienced a lot of discrimination with Oliver. We would walk down the street, and people would literally cross the street. We know when they would see us coming, you know, they saw like a menacing pit bull type dog. It's just found it so baffling because Oliver was the sweetest, gentlest creature that I've ever met in my entire life. Sadly, I lost Oliver in August of 2018. I wanted to commemorate him in a way that was very meaningful. So I got this tattoo of him. It's just such an amazing thing. Knowing that I carry him in my heart, I now carry him on my arm. My name is Mike Ruiz and Oliver and I are individuals. Now, here's another treat for you from Pet Buzz Plus. Pet Buzz Plus. Hi, this is Barbara from Clear Lake, Iowa, here to tell you about my great little Portuguese podango named Gobi. He's my internal compass when I work too long, and he's a great little traveler. He's also a great cuddler. 
We love listening to the Pet Buzz. We're kind of like your pet. We love being social on Pet Buzz Plus. Pet Buzz Plus. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. Okay, so let's talk global pet news. This news has big implications for zoos throughout the world. Nine big cats at the Smithsonian's National Zoo in Washington, D.C. have tested positive for COVID-19. That's according to zoo officials last Friday. So according to a statement from the zoo, six lions and three tigers have returned presumptive positive coronavirus test. So these animals will be under observation while uh, they await for their final test results. It's interesting because zoo officials said the animals have been exhibiting symptoms such as decreased appetites, coughing, sneezing, lethargy, uh, really since last weekend. So according to the National Zoo's uh, statement, nine potential infected cats are the only animals at the zoo showing any signs of infection. The animals are being treated with anti-inflammatories, anti-nausea medication to address their discomfort, in addition to antibodies from possible cases of secondary bacterial pneumonia. So a zoo spokesperson believes that the cats likely caught the deadly disease from a human, but zoo officials have really performed a thorough investigation of all the staff that were in close proximity to the lions and tigers, but have yet to determine the source of the transmission. So I think this is very different from the infection of the tigers and lions at the Bronx Zoo. And if you recall, this was months ago, this was really at the beginning of the summer, the reported three lions and four tigers that contracted coronavirus caught it from an asymptomatic zookeeper whose identity was never revealed. And that was according to the chief veterinarian at the Bronx Zoo. And it seemed to be the only thing that makes sense because during that time, the, the zoo was closed as of March 16th. So nobody was coming into the zoo. So at the National Zoo, people say, well, the zoo's been open, but the animals, the tigers and lions are so far away, it's almost impossible for uh, a visitor to the zoo to transmit COVID to the animals. So it has to be someone on the inside, someone who's helping to care for the animals who's coming in close proximity to the animals. But as far as the National Zoo is concerned, a rep there noted that the public is not at risk based on, like I said, the substantial distance between the animals and the visitors. Don't you foresee, Dr. Flick, this is going to be happening more and more? Oh, absolutely. And I read recently that all of the animals at the National Zoo Mm -hmm. have been vaccinated now with the, I believe it's the Elenco experimental vaccine, COVID-19, that's designed for animals. Mm-hmm. I know that they vaccinated all the uh, the cats and they've vaccinated all the gorillas. Um, right. I don't know what other ones were vaccinated. They didn't discriminate and tell us which. I ones. would think that there would probably be animals that are similar to like cats to minks because minks mm-hmm. were another group of animals that died very quickly from getting COVID. So I think animals that are closest to humans, animals that are closest to, to cats uh, but, but- physiologically. But the gorillas, I would thought would have thought that they would have used more of the, the human vaccine because the primates are so close to us. Sure. And I think they've well, done that in the past. Well, it's really interesting. It'll be interesting to see what you know, I think that would make a great interview. Oh. Maybe I should uh, call the you know Association of Zoos and Aquariums and, it's, and, it's no and sec- talk about and that. it's no secret that there's a vaccine that's being developed for cats, COVID-19. Right. For but cats. I mean, eventually it'll happen to happen for dogs because cats like we said, can pass it on to other cats, but dogs can directly only get it to from humans. 
and they can't pass it on to other dogs. So it'll be interesting. I mean, if you think about that interview we did with those guys from England, probably three or four months ago, that's saying, you know, eventually we're going to have to get, I mean, at the time we thought that, wow, you know, eventually we're going to have to see vaccines for dogs and cats. I mean, we do have Corona vaccine, but specifically COVID-19. And what does it mean that when parvovirus first hit back in the 80s mm-hmm. and they developed a vaccine within a year mm-hmm. that's been effective and continues to be effective. They found that the coronavirus was an ally of the parvovirus in the canine. So when they developed the vaccine, they developed a serotype of coronavirus to be given with the parvovirus for 40 right. years. But we also have and to just be, discontinue. Right. We it. also have to be careful when we talk about coronavirus because we don't want people to get it confused with COVID-19 coronavirus. That's right. That's why it's so a different you're talking, serotype. Right. So you're talking about the coronavirus and parvo for dogs. But not the SARS-CoV-2. Right, exactly. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Come on, we're on a roll. Let's I know, keep rolling. I know. It's always too soon to wrap the show. But before we go, we want to give you a preview for next week's show. So next week, we're talking about a new book. I'm not single. I have a dog. Dating Tales from the Bark Side. A lot of books about I'm single and have a dog, so it'll be interesting I to think have it'll a, be new, real interesting. a new perspective. And of course, we're always talking about health care and safety on the Peppas. So you want to stay tuned for next week. But Dr. Fleck, before we go, can you thank our guests? Special thanks to our guests, Elisa Weimer-Sentner and veterinarian, Dr. Sarah Wooten. Of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Shampoos, skin and coat sprays, sunscreen, ear cleaner, and supplements for your dogs and cats. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you Take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. The Pet Buzz is dedicated to enhancing the bond between pets and their people. If you and your pets need even more buzz, we're online at thepetbuzz.com and our social media channels, Pet Buzz Plus, the best way for you to engage with like-minded pet lovers everywhere. My name is Michelle Schaefer. I'm the mom of three boys, and I'm from Haddonfield and North Wildwood, New Jersey. I met Aladdin through my work with Lilo's Promise Animal Rescue, and I foster the emaciated dogs that come into our program. Aladdin came to us. He had been dumped at the side of the road. He weighed about 18 pounds. He had broken bones, other wounds, and he was missing 12 teeth. He was the worst abuse case I had ever seen. The most moving experience that I've had while working with Aladdin were when we were first responders at the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida. And Aladdin usually works off leash. He was on leash that night and he led me over to a very specific person. And here that man had been in the nightclub the night of the shootings. He and Aladdin shared a very special moment that really made me cry. Aladdin has changed the way I see the world in a million different ways. The main thing is to treat people with kindness and compassion. My name is Michelle Schaefer and Aladdin and I are individuals.